Yeah, this is my life. I'm done trying to convince people I'm real. Sleep, never retreat. Welcome to the Road to the Trials podcast, where we take an insider's look into the training and racing of some of America's best runners as they prepare for the Olympic trials in Eugene next month. That's right, we're one month away. And in this episode, we're catching up with Olivia Baker, who recently got her OTQ in the 800. She is so excited about that and just you know ready to, to springboard from that time. She did run a 201.38, which I'm so excited for her. Uh, and I know that she's just excited to, to get in there, get sub two, and really you know make a you know make a strong push for making the team and someone who has had the pedigree to do such a thing. And then we kind of dive into what happens next? What happens over the next month to get her ready to do just that? So let's dive into it with Olivia Baker. Olivia Baker, welcome back. I'm so excited to chat. Hey, Matt. Thanks for having me. It's good to be back. Oh, this is great. Uh, first of all, congratulations. We should have had you back on sooner. But with all of like the different machinations, what was happening over at the, the sound running track meet, I'm like, Olivia might just show up at this track meet. So I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait to see what happens because it feels like every runner in the United States who's not injured is there. So I'm just going to wait that one out and then we'll start recording again. So for, you didn't run in that in that meet, but I am so excited to talk to you because we got some big news to share, but I'm not going to steal that news. I'm going to let you share it. Yeah. So I have finally hit the Olympic trials standard. So I've secured an auto qualifier for the Olympic trials with my 201.38 at Mount Sac. And yeah, I'm happy. It's a weight off my shoulders. That was huge. I know that for you, like that was always like the the two things that you were thinking about going into all of these races, right? You wanted to get that, um, you know, that OTQ at the same time. But all these races, you were there to compete. So it was like, all right, what are we doing here with all of these races? How did this race plan out for people who haven't watched it? In terms of, was this one of those races where for you, like, hey. I can just I can just go and I can just be with all of these amazing women. Or was it like one of these other races where it's like, hey, I have to be the one to push the pace if we're going to really make the standard? Yeah, it was definitely more in the latter category for me. Yeah, I had a few races under my belt coming in, but I hadn't really put it together yet. Some of them got a little bit tactical. And so coming into Mount Sac. I really just wanted to test my fitness. I kind of, I wanted to get a better idea of, okay, where actually am I in the season? And so anyone who talked to me before the race would know that I went in with the attitude of, if, if no one else is going to make it fast, I'm going to make it fast. I'm not going to let this race go slow on me again. I've had enough slow races or slower races this season, so I'm going to make it fast. And fortunately, our pacer took it out hard. Uh, it ended up being a little too fast for my liking. We came through 457.5-ish. Yes, it was, a, it was a real shock to the body. And uh, I, I faded down the home stretch, but managed to hang on to close in 201.38. Coming through in world record pace at the 400-meter mark. <laughs> that's, that's going through with the bandit. But, hey, congratulations. So... When you see the pacer go out like that, obviously you have done this so many times and you're, you must be able to hit splits 
with your eyes closed, running backwards, right? And how many times have you like my 100 meter split, my 200 meter split, my 300 meter split? Like you probably don't even need a watch at this point. But when you see a pacer go out like that, going out super hot, what's it like for you? Is there any cognitive dissonance or do you know like, no, they're running this, I'm running this and you're comfortable in that discrepancy? I am comfortable in that discrepancy. I knew we were told that the pacer was going to be really quick for this race. We were told 57 to 58. Uh, I was not expecting it to be on the low 57 then, but I knew there was the possibility of it being that fast. And like I said, I was committed to making it fast out front. So I went with it and the goal was just to give myself a shot to run a fast time, you know, put myself out there through four. I know that I can hold on to that through 600. And then just, at, I mean, after 600, it's just a competition. It's you take, you finish, you have your competition around you and you bring it home as strong as you can at that point. For sure. And it, it was a stacked race, right? So it was the, it was the Mount Sack 800 meter B. I love the B like this is like, this is a race written all over. It just shows you how stacked some of these races get where it's like, there's really no difference between the A and the B. I was actually, this is a complete non sequitur, but I'm excited to see the trials miles race up in Jersey city. This this coming weekend. There is five heats of the men's 800 meters and there's 10 guys in each race. And there's each one. You're like, wait, this is the, the, the fourth race? Like, what is this? Was just picked at random. I think like it is so funny looking because our our friend Abe Alvarado is running in it. So I'm like, wait, which heat is he in? I'm like, oh, he's not in the first one. You know, I'm just like selfishly like rooting for him. Like, oh, he should be in the first heat, but like his heat's like stacked. <laughs> his heat is unbelievable. It's the same thing here, right? You got, and this was actually the order of the finish, but you had. Kate Grace, your Brenda Martinez, you had uh, Ellie Baker, yourself, Rebecca Mera. Like this is an elite group of women running this race. And when you just just knowing who was in the race, that must have been at least a little bit, a bit of a burden off. Like, OK, no, like we're all here for the same reason. There's no way this is going to be a slow race. You know, as long as like the weather conditions, obviously, were going to you know be in your favor. Like there's no way that, like the people in this race would let this be slow. Definitely. Definitely. Now, looking at the heat, I, I consider it a privilege to be able to run, to have so much competition in the U.S., especially at this time of year. I think that with the way that things have been going with COVID, there are a lot of other countries that are that haven't had as much opportunity to get the vaccine or they're dealing with second, third, fourth waves of the coronavirus right now. And a lot of those athletes are coming to the U.S. to compete in the U.S. circuits. And so that's the reason why you have an A heat, a B heat, and a C heat that are so deep. You don't usually see this type of competition competing in the U.S., especially at this time of year when normally there would be Diamond League events happening. So that's a great point. I mean, we've seen 5K and 10K heats at some of these races with like 30 athletes. Yeah, it's it's crazy. And I love it. I really hope going forward that the U.S. can build off of this this circuit and this competition and kind of make this a, a more regular thing so that we don't always have to go to Europe to compete. It's so funny because they're so ingrained in us now. Boy, this is a huge tangent, but <laughs> I'm just going to go with it. Um, it's so ingrained in us now for anyone who's been watching track for the last six months of like, oh, trials and miles. Oh, of course they have another race coming up. But like this didn't even exist a year ago. And now they're like at the forefront of all of it. Again, I'm not just here blowing smoke. They're not like sponsoring my podcast or am I sponsoring them? But 
it's um I shouldn't say that I did sponsor a race two races ago, but that's not why I'm bringing this up. But um, it's so funny how quickly things can change um in in, in some in some of these situations. Anyway, with all of that being said, not only was this like an incredible race with some incredible athletes, but you also had the Stanford connection. Yeah, you and Rebecca going neck and neck. I mean, that, that that obviously is not a first for you when you have that situation where like, hey, not only do I know these women because we're in the same sport, we're all pros, I see them at these races and, and so on and so forth. But when you see someone who you personally know so well, does that not change things in terms of like your performance, but like, does it change things just from like a just a feeling perspective? Like, oh, I've, I've shared a, a track with this person so many times at this point. Absolutely. Uh, Bex and I actually talked about it before the race. We had breakfast together that morning. And uh, you had breakfast together. Where is the, <laughs> where's the heart, Olivia? Where is the diehard <laughs> spirit? Yeah, no, we're, I mean, we only have to be, we only have to be competitors for two minutes. So <laughs> yeah, we, we had breakfast that morning. We had talked about it. And I mean, Honestly, every time I, I'm on the track with Rebecca Mara, good things happen for both of us. So I was excited to get back on the track with her. You know, I know we've had a couple of 800s in the past. I've handed off a baton to her in the DMR a couple of times. All of those have been great races. So there's no reason to believe that this one wouldn't be. And it only adds to the excitement to get to run against such a good competitor and also a great friend. Yeah, and I would think, like, we've talked about this before, about the 800 being, like, the last 200 to 100 meters is just about, like, who decelerates the least, right? Because you've put everything into it. It's No one's accelerating in the last 100 meters. Um, I guess maybe Nick Simmons is. That's, like, the only person in history who, like, has that strategy. But ultimately, it's who decelerates the least, which is basically a, a fancy way of saying, like, who who can just like grit it the most. Right. And that's, a that's probably too cutthroat to say, cause it almost makes it sound like some people are like giving in error, you know, not being tough enough. And that certainly is not the case when you're in that situation of like, Hey, I'm just trying to maintain here anything that I can do to keep the speed up. And all of a sudden you see person next to you or in front of you or just right on your heels who you know is doing the same thing, but you've also competed against so many times. Does it sit, does it, does it change at all? That feeling of like, can I do this? Or does it not really play a part? Uh, It doesn't really play a part for me. To be honest, when someone's coming up next to me in a race, unless I'm looking up at the big board, I think we talked about that a little bit last time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I actually am not really sure who it is at first. So I'm not thinking so much about who's coming up on me as I'm thinking about, oh man, I need to find an extra gear. I need to figure out how to go just that much faster to hold them off. And uh, for me, the thing that goes through my mind most is just about my form. Am I pumping my arms hip to chin? Arm Is my pelvis tilted up? You know, am I not letting my hips drop? Am I picking up my knees? Those are the things I'm thinking about to get the most out of that last hundred meters. 
Hey folks, the Road to the Trials podcast is presented by Koros Wearables, makers of performance GPS watches that help athletes train to their best. Athletes like world record marathoner Elliot Kipchoge and multi-time U.S. champion Emma Coburn trust Koros watches to track their training from long runs to track workouts with their innovative track mode, which I Frankly, I'm just going to input this. I love their track mode. This is one of the reasons I love these watches. You can measure your next track workout to near perfection, whether you've got 400 meter repeats in lane one or a four mile tempo in lane five. You can trust Coral's watches to provide the stats that you crave. So show your support for the brands that support this podcast and pick up the Pace 2, the latest GPS watch on the market. Enter code TRIALS at checkout on Coros.com. That's C-O-R-O-S.com for free accessory with your purchase. You can just pick whichever one you like after you enter the code. So when you use the Coros product, you know you're getting a premium watch designed, tested, and perfected by the athlete and for the athlete. Give Coros a follow on Instagram or on Facebook at Coros Global. Coros, explore perfection. Can you all right, illuminate something for me on that one of those cues, the, the hips, the hips dropping versus pointing up? What what exactly uh, does that mean? And I'm, I'm sure that cue means something to you, but just as someone who's like, um, you know, who's never been in your situation, like I wouldn't when you say that cue, I can't picture that in my mind in terms of what that would mean for my body. So it means that you don't want to have your back arched too much as you're finishing. And so your hips can get into this anterior pelvic tilt where they are, (laughs) they're tilted downwards. And if you can imagine what it looks like, if your back is arched and your butt is kind of sticking out as you're running. Olivia, every time I look in the mirror, I was diagnosed (laughs) with this four hours ago. So yes, absolutely. I just got off the, I just had recorded with Taylor Ward. We had a whole conversation about it. This is hysterical. My whole day has been about anterior pelvic tilt. I did not expect this this morning when I woke up, but literally my entire day has now been about this concept. All right, so keep going. I'm sorry. Oh, good. I'm I'm glad you're familiar with it. It's, (laughs) it really is a problem that plagues me too. You're not alone on that one at all. Uh, But yeah, it's, like your hips tilt forward, your butt sticks out, your back arches. And when that happens down the home stretch, you it inhibits your knee lift. Because if you imagine that your pelvis is tilted forward, you'd have to lift your knee at a to a higher angle to get it as high as you would if you had a neutral pelvis at the time. And so you actually lose power. You start using your hamstrings more and your glutes less. So you're not, you're not firing your glutes and getting as much power down the home stretch. And it really, yeah, I think that's usually the moment in races when I start seeing people pass me. Oh, okay. But yeah, the, the best way to combat that is to either engage your glutes or engage your lower abs, which as you can imagine at the end of the race is really hard to do when you're also trying to breathe. Right. I can imagine this being easier when you're doing your pre-run exercises versus like, I need to get my time. I'm dying out here. Can I catch Kate Grace? What's happening right now? I can imagine all these things running through your mind. And the last thing you're thinking about is what angle is my pelvis tilting at? Yeah, it's, you know, that's the thing. It's not something I really want to be thinking about. And hopefully (laughs) I'll start thinking about it less and less 
as I do do those drills like you were talking about in practice and reinforce good movement patterns so that it comes more naturally to me at the end of a race. But yeah, that, that's been my thing lately is, is focusing on engaging those glutes and making sure my uh, pelvis is in a neutral position when I'm finishing races. Man, when you started running back in New Jersey, kicking butt, going to Junior Worlds, did you ever think that you'd be on a podcast talking about whether or not your glutes were firing coming down the stretch of one of like your most important races? I never could have imagined being in this position where I am right at this moment. I, and, and by that, I don't nothing about the podcast. I'm just talking about like it's so funny how like you go from like, all right, we're born to run. Running is free. Running is easy. It's the easiest thing in the world. All you need is running shoes. And all of a sudden, everyone's talking about like the angles of their body, which direction they're pointing in, the 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 kinds of exercises, movements they need to correct those angles, and then trying to figure out when they're tired, whether or not they're falling into those patterns. It gets seems to get more complicated as we progress as runners. And I guess part of me is um, sorry for you that you have to deal with that. Other part of me feels a little bit better because it's not only me that has to deal with it, that people around the world seemingly have to deal with such random thoughts during what they're trying to experience as a wonderful event. Yes. <laughs> and I'm fortunate that my event is only two minutes long because I can't imagine being like a 5K runner having 15 minutes worth of thinking of things like that. Like, what do you even think of for the entirety of a 5K? I, I can't even imagine what that's like. That's funny. I wonder if that's why people were so good at running like the jeans mile. Did you see this? I did, yes. Asics had like the jeans mile. Johnny Gregoric did this earlier this year in a wonderful um, awareness event. Uh, I think it was in honor of his brother who had passed. And... Um, I wonder if like the, the tight jeans might actually help, right? Because it's like, all right, you can't really can't really let things fly with those tight jeans. Like as anyone who knows, because most of us don't wear tight jeans anymore during the COVID era, we can wear whatever we want because we're not leaving our house. They are pretty restrictive. I wonder if maybe that's the solution. I'm going way too far afield in this conversation, but <laughs> um, I, I mean, do. hey, anything to take your mind off of that pain of the race, right? There you go. All right. So were you clock watching at all? Coming down the last 50 meters? No, I actually couldn't see the clock. The last clock I saw was at right around 600 meters. I saw that we came through in 128. And at that point, I knew I was on pace to run a fast time. I'm like, I'm not going to die down the home stretch that much that I don't at least get the trial standard, if not something faster. But yeah, I didn't see any clocks down the, the final 50 meters. All right. So we so we told your time, 201.38. Phenomenal. You got the qualifier. Um, but time only tells part of the story. Ultimately, how did you feel about your race and how you are in terms of a fitness level at this point in the game? I felt good. I feel like I'm trending in the right direction from a fitness perspective. I was proud of myself for putting myself out there and giving myself a shot. It was definitely a shock to the body, but I know that going forward, I'm not going to see very many races that go out slower than 58 seconds. So I think that that awakening is something that I needed and something that will propel me forward because I'll be ready for it in the next few races that I run. Um, and yeah, I think I, I'm in a good spot fitness wise and I'm ready to drop the time even further. We're one month out 
One month out, Olivia. I mean, it's funny. It goes fast and slow at the same time, but we're one month out. What do you need to do over the next month to make sure that you are at your peak physical condition for the beginning of the trials? At this point, I think it's just sharpening. It's getting in as many races and as many race pace reps as I can. I have three more races scheduled before the trials. Uh, and it's, it's kind of coach wanted to serve as almost like a dress rehearsal because they're pretty close. It's the 25th, the 29th, and then the 6th. And I'll be traveling out of state for that meet on the 29th. So it kind of simulates, okay, race and then travel pre-meet race, repeat, travel pre-meet race to kind of sort of get into that rhythm of, okay, I'm going to need to be able to do three races in four days at the time of the trials. So at this point, yeah, it's, it's just rehearsing the race plan, rehearsing the strategy. And yeah, there isn't that much more fitness I'm looking to gain between now and then. I, I feel like I already have the fitness to, to go sub two, to run a really fast time at the trial. It's just a matter of, of sharpening up to do it. So what do you do? Do you know the names of the meets that you're going to be going to? Yes. So the meet on the 25th, is going to be the USATF invite, I believe, at Prairie View. It's part of the Journey to Gold series. Then I'll be heading up to Massachusetts for a smaller meet, the Platinum PT Qualifier. I will see you there, Olivia Baker. Oh, nice. I will see you there. I got, uh, they invited me to come. It's only 45 minutes from my house. I am elated. I cannot wait. In fact, Dana Giordano is going to be there too. New Jersey, we got two, two New Jersey's finest are going to be in the house. Oh, perfect. It'll be so good to see you guys. All right. So you got, you got, you got those two. It's just funny. See, this is, this is like live. I didn't know you were going to be there. I didn't know anyone <laughs> who's going to be there because they're like, Hey, we're doing this. We can't release the per the people who are going to be there. Like you can't tell anyone you're going to be there, which I obviously just did, but I'm so excited because I actually filled out like the COVID form last night. I don't know if you got that email too. Anyway. Again, going way deep in the weeds here. Um, <laughs> all right, so we got those two. What's the third one? The third one is back in Prairie View. I think it's the USATF Open. Uh, it's also it's the last meet on the Journey to Gold series. Gotcha. Now you mentioned like fitness pr from a fitness perspective, you feel like you're there. It's just about sharpening. When it comes to the difference between what you've run so far, say the two hundred one thirty thirty eight and you know, you've kind of been in around that range now for the past like six weeks, right? You've been very, very close to that number uh, the whole time. When it comes to getting sub two, running two or three seconds faster than you have in the past, how much of that is just speed, explosiveness and fitness versus just being able to hold it over the final 200 meters or so? I think that it's a little bit of both. So part of it is going where you haven't been before on the speed end. And that's where the start comes into play. That's where getting out in 57, 58 and kind of shocking my body like I did at Mount Sac uh, will benefit me over these next few weeks. And then the other part of it is, like you said, closing stronger. Um, I started off the season specifically working on that looking to get out. My coach told me, you know, you can go out as slow as you need to. I just want to see you close in under 30 seconds. And we kind of worked on, okay, how fast can we get this front end of the race such that I'm still having that strong closing? 
And now the focus has shifted from how fast can I get the clothes to, okay, now you need to be able to get out too. You know, these races are going to go fast and you need to be able to, to get out and hold on to that and still have uh, that strong closing in the last 200. Now, do you get excited to see what other people are doing or do you not pay as much attention to the, the field? I, I don't look for it. I don't look to try to see the results of what other people are doing. But I do hear about it and I get excited. You know, I've seen a lot of, I think I've seen at least five or six women in the U.S. run under two minutes this year so far. So I think that's exciting. I think we're lining up for one of the best women's 800s at a U.S. championships or one of the deepest women's 800s at a U.S. championships ever. And that excites me. You know, it's, it's my hope that everyone would be at their best at the trials and that will have a good, clean race. Uh, that's my hope. Right. And so many of the people there are pros just like you who have been doing this for a while and you're excited. Have you run against Aething Moo, who's obviously you know, also uh, very close to the top of the field here? I did. I ran against her at Baylor, actually, when she ran that 157. I was in that race. So, yes, I have run against her. She is incredible. I think we talked a lot earlier about running the 400 and 800. And it's really exciting for me to see her do that. Like I've been saying forever that there are 800 runners in this field who could run the 400 and 800 competitively. And I'm so excited to see her doing that. Like she could literally choose whichever event she wants and compete with the best in the world. So true. Sonny, now that you say that, I knew I knew that. I knew that you were racing us earlier this year. Um, but I was excited to talk to you because it, it, it is exciting when you have college athletes who can go up against pros because in so many sports, that's a wall that can't be crossed. You're either you're in college or you're a pro, right? And those that's your competition. And it is kind of unique and exciting and fun to see somebody being able to cross those lines and go from like, hey, I'm in a college meet, like all of a sudden I'm in a pro meet. And that, that, that is, that is exciting. And obviously, you know, at the moment she's kicking butt at Texas A&M and that's the focus, but a month from now that will not be the focus. And it'll be fun to see uh, her. And I'm sure she won't be the only one at the trials, uh, men or women who are going to be uh, coming from the college ranks to compete against the nation's best. And uh, it will be exciting to see all of them, but it is so fun to see like that, that wide array of people who are going to be there. Um, Obviously, you will be too. And I'm so excited for that. Uh, we'll catch up in Massachusetts of all places in a week and a half. That will be so much fun. I can't wait for that event. Olivia, thank you so much for, for hopping on. And, and I think we'll probably talk one more time before the trials. And I, and I can't wait. Sounds good, Matt. Thanks so much for having me again. And I look forward to seeing you in Massachusetts. Olivia, thank you so much. Also, a huge shout out to Coros Global for sponsoring this and all episodes in the Road to the Trial series. They're just the best. They're the best. They're the company that I trust. It's just they don't have all the crazy bells and whistles that make you charge your watch every single night. Who wants to do that? You just need it to work when you're out on the run, and that's exactly what it does. It does it for a whole month straight before you have to recharge it. My watch is two years old, and that's still 
the time frame in which I have to charge my watch once a month. It is insane and I love it. And I know that you will love it too. Head over to Coros Global. I'm sorry, Coros Global. Head over to Coros, C-O-R-O-S.com today. Use code trials at checkout to save some extra dough. Not save some extra dough. Actually, you're going to get a free swag bag. So I guess you'll, you're technically you're saving money because you don't have to buy the stuff, but uh, it's not like you're going to get 10% off the purchase price, but you are going to get some free stuff. And that is always nice, especially if you want a new watch or a watch at all. Uh, you can get the best in the business and get some free stuff while you're at it. So thank you so much for listening and happy running. This has been a production of the Rambling Runner Podcast Network. Thank you to my producer, David Margetti from InPost Media. Also, thank you to Metapi for the music and his song, Evolution.